My brother loved that song, that last song there. All right, we will be in Psalms here tonight. If you would like to read, you're so welcome to do so. Psalms tonight, 38, I believe it is, right after Brother George's favorite psalm, 37. All right, so we have four here tonight. So let's do, uh, let's see, 38, it's 22, 40, 35, 35 divided by 4, it'd be 9, except you got 8. All right, sister, do first 9, chapter 38. O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrow stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over my head. As a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. Yes. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are filled with a loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before thee, and my groaning is not hid from thee. Mm. Great. It's good. Amen. <clears throat> my heart panteth, my strength Faileth me. As for the light of mine eyes, it is also it it also is gone from me. My lovers and my friends stand aloof from my sore, and my kinsmen stand afar off. They also that seek after my life lay snares for me, and they that seek my hurt speak mischievous things, and imagine deceits all the day long. But I, as a deaf man, heard not and and I was as a dumb man that openeth not his mouth. Thus I was a man that heareth not, and in whose mouth are no reproofs. For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. Thou wilt hear, O Lord, my God. For I said, Hear me, lest otherwise they should rejoice over me when my foot slippeth. They magnify themselves against me. For I am ready to halt, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare mine iniquity, I will be sorry for my sin. Oh, yeah, thank you. All right, my brother. Uh, 19. Yes, sir. But my enemies are lively, and they are strong. And they that hate me wrongfully are multiplied. They also that render evil for good are my adversaries, because I follow the thing that is good, that, that good is. Forsake me not, O Lord my God. Be not far from me. Yes. Make haste to help me, O Lord my salvation. I said, I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good. And my sorrow was stirred. My heart was not within me, or my heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned. 
Then spake I with my tongue, Lord, make me to know mine end, and the measure of my days, what is it, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Yes, amen. Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before me. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Shilah. Yeah, amen. Yes, sir. Surely every man walketh in the vain shoe. Surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches, and knoweth not who shall gather them. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Yeah. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Make me not the reproach of the foolish. I was dumb. I opened not my mouth because thou didst it. Remove thy stroke away from me. I am consumed by the blow of thine hand. And when thou with rebukes thou hast correct me for iniquity, thou makest his beauty to consume away like a moth. Surely every man is vanity. Selah. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear unto my cry. Hold not thy peace in my tears, for I am a stranger with thee, and a sojourner as all my fathers were. O spare me, that I may recover strength before I go hence and be no more. Amen. A lot of good scripture there. First Samuel here tonight, chapter 3. First Samuel tonight, chapter 3, verse 1. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days, and there was no open vision. It came to pass at that time when Eli was laid in his own place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out into the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laid down to sleep. Verse 19. Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. All Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. The Lord appeared again in Shiloh, and the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus tonight. We thank you for the reading of your word. It's been so rich. God, it's been so convicting. It's been so good, encouraging. God, the Word of God tonight, Lord, has just, again, as a two-edged sword, Lord, has uh, done its work in my heart. And God, the verses that were been read tonight already has spoken to me. And so, God, we pray, Lord, as we continue to lift up the name of Jesus and worship tonight, that you'd open our eyes. And God, as we think about our revival or our tent meeting, God, that's coming up and where we are today, Father, and what we can be and what we could be, Lord, all depends upon us, and we pray, God, to give us the help, dear God, to, to allow you to work within our hearts and our souls. May you get glory now. May you be honored and lifted up. May you save the lost and touch the saved. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to preach this, this evening with the help of the Lord. I like to finish what we began on Sunday night, but in a little different tone. I want to preach on the seed and the need of revival. The seed and the need of revival. We find as we are praying, uh, but what are we praying? We're praying, we say we pray for revival. Is that what we're praying for? And do we know what we're praying for? When you say, hey, I'm praying for revival, or I want revival, or I hope revival comes, and well, I'm sure looking for revival. I need revival. 
And so that word revival is really, what are we really asking for? Sometimes we've got to be careful, amen, to what we ask for. And so asking for revival is asking these things. I wrote down about six things that revival contains. And I wonder if this is really what the church tonight or you and I really want. I notice that revival means a renewed attention or interest in godly things. Do we really want that? That renewed interest, that very attention of godly things. Like we paid when we got saved, paid close attention to the details of God. When we got saved, how we came to church, and boy, it was good, and God spoke to my heart. I was able to sing. It was, it was something that I paid attention to. I listened to every word that the preacher preached. I, I listened to every word that God spoke to my heart, and I attained it, and I was attentive. That's revival. Do we really want that tonight? That's what we're asking for. Number two, I noticed that revival is a restoration of life, consciousness, vigor, strength, and effort. And effort. Tonight, is, that's a revival. If you're going to be praying for a revival, you're praying that God restore you in the life with God. Give me a consciousness of my sin, a consciousness of the, my way of life, my attitude, the way that I do things, things that I say the countenance in which I project, the vigor. God, give me that vigor back. Give me that strength back. Give me that excitement back, that, that zeal that I've had before. God, that's what I want in this revival. I want not only that, but I want to be effective. I, I, want, to be, I want to be helpful. I want to be useful. Lord, I, I don't want to be just the common. I don't want to be just the ordinary. don't want to be the normal. God, I want to be beyond that. Praying for revival, you're asking God to restore that, renew that. Uh, the revival means an awakening of spiritual things. And so when you're asking and praying, God, send revival, God, revive me, you're saying, God, awaken my mind, awaken my heart to spiritual things. Help me to not live in the carnal. Help me not to live in the fleshly. Help me not to live in the worldly. But help me to live in the world of spiritual, that I will think spiritual, I will act spiritual, I will behave spiritual, I will do spiritual things and deeds and and I'll be a spiritual one tonight. That's a revival tonight. God, move me to that place. Revival is also a reawakening, not just awakening, but a reawakening to something uh, coming back to health, life, or popularity. God, reawake me. Bring me back to the health in Christ that I had before. God, make me healthy in God. God, help me to, to be able to, to be to the place where I can live this abundant life. That this life of joy and peace and hope, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to stay. God, I want that. I, I want to be positive. Don't want to be negative. Uh, but I want to be truthful and I want to be honest. And I don't want to have to fake or deceive or lie. I, I want to be able to, to live a life that's pleasing unto you. The, the word revival means a stirring up of faith and fervor for God. Stir me up, Lord. God, get me excited. Get me, get me to the place where I am wanting for God to revive me. And so we're praying tonight the only way that this revival or these things, whether restoration or renewing or awakening or reawakening or stirring up, it's going to take place in the appearance of God. God's going to have to appear, right? And we find that that's the only way that we're going to find that God is going to bring revivals when he shows up. 
when he is the one that revives us. We don't revive ourselves. And none of the preachers will revive us. None of the singing will revive us. None of the food and fellowship will revive us. None of the time together a whole week long of hearing God's word and singing God's songs and, and being in the midst of God's presence uh, uh, tonight will bring forth that revival if he appears. Amen. And so we need him to appear in our homes. We need him appear to appear in our church. We need him appear in our hearts. Amen. We need an appearance of God if revival is going to be taking place. The second thing I noticed, if there's going to be a revival, not only he's going to have to appear, but we're going to ask God to have to reveal himself. And reveal himself means, Lord, you reveal yourself in worship. As we're lifting up your name, as we're exalting and, and we are adoring you and, and uh, we are taking uh, what we have and we are manifesting it to you, Lord, and say, God, here I am. Just as I am, Lord, I come to you. And as we worship with our lips and worship with our heart and worship tonight that would bring glory to God, we say, God, reveal yourself to me. It may not be revealed to you, but God, reveal to me yourself in worship. Reveal yourself to me, not in worship, but uh, reveal yourself to me in the trials and the troubles and the dark and the storms and the deep. Lord, reveal to me when things are not going so well. Reveal to me yourself when things seem to be dark. Reveal yourself. Reveal yourself to me, Lord, in the joys of life. When things are really good, when things seem to be very uh, calm and peaceful and things seem to be going our way, reveal yourself unto us with those things. Not only in trials and joy and worship, but Lord, reveal yourself in our services. Lord, reveal yourself when I have a, a service in the morning with me and, and you and my Bible and prayer and make a devotion. Reveal yourself then, please. God, reveal yourself when I have devotion with my family or when I have a prayer time at lunch or a time where I sit aside and read your word and pray and meditate upon your word and study. God, manifest yourself in those times. See, these are places of revival. When revival is going to take place, it's going to take place because he's going to manifest himself. He's going to appear before us. And uh, we're asking God, God, show us, show us, show yourself to us. Amen. That's the desire of this. Now, we're asking God uh, to revive us, but we're asking God to move on us, to move on us. And it will only be done by his word. If you're looking for a vision, you won't ever get it. If you're looking for a dream, it's not ever coming. If you're looking for a feeling, that's not going to matter. If you're looking for some emotion tonight, that ain't going to happen either. If you're looking tonight for some sort of uh, fire from heaven in a physical manner, if you're looking for some kind of lightning of this or some kind of miracle of some type uh, tonight in the way of, uh, of what we might think a miracle is, uh, revival is going to come and he, when he appears to us and he manifests himself to us and it will be done by his word. His word will do that. Not only his word will do that, but his spirit will do that tonight. And his spirit will bring forth this manifestation. It will bring forth his appearance. And it will be done by his son. By his son. As Jesus is sung about, as Jesus is preached about, as Jesus is adored and worshiped, as he is lifted up above and beyond, we'll find that God's presence 
could be available right there. He would manifest himself to us. It would be through his word, through his spirit, and by his son. Amen. Just trying to get our minds set. So on all three, when all three are there, so is the Lord. Where his word is, he's there. Where his spirit is, he's there. And when his son is there, he's there. Amen. And that's what we want in this next week. That's what we want tonight. That's what we want on Sunday. We want his word. We want his spirit. And we want his son. And more I tell you, if we can get that, it just may be a time of God appearing with us and manifesting himself to us and that we might just enjoy the Lord, amen, and have a time. Now, I think tonight, if we're ever going to have revival or even thought of revival, whether it's a restoration, whether it's a renewing or reawakening, or even a stirring tonight, uh, we're going to have to know and have a need of revival. I don't know tonight if everyone in the church tonight thinks they need revival. And I think one of the things is, is tonight is because we've never experienced revival. So not re experiencing revival, you say, well, how can I want something that I don't even know much about, Right? That's usually the kind of the concept or the mind thinking of human beings. Uh, so I, do, I, do I really need revival? What will revival really do? What will revival, will it, will it change my home? Would it change my church? Would it change the city? Uh, what will revival do? And so is there a, there a real need for that? Is there a need in your children's life for revival? A need in your spouse's life for revival? Is it a need in our church's life and a revival? Or are we just happy to be just going along? Is it just happy tonight as, as long as we can get some people into the house of God and a visitor from time to time and, and every once in a while we'll have a, a visitor preacher come in or a singer come in and, and we're just going to move on to 2023 and, and say, boy, we went to church, we done our deal and we've done all that we know to do. Or uh, is it going to be something more than that? A revival. A revival in that I believe tonight we're going to have to see that we're going to have to have a need. Now we come to 1 Samuel here tonight. And I would hope that you would see tonight that there was a need of revival. As you look at the circumstances and situation, uh, we find in chapter 1, if you turn there with me quickly and look in verse 3, the Bible says, And this, and, and this man went up out of the, his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. In Shiloh. So they went to Shiloh because that's where they met with God. That's where they went and they made their sacrifices there. They, they went there to worship the Lord. And uh, so it was in Shiloh. Now we come tonight and we look in chapter 3 and we look into the temple. As we look at the temple tonight, we find that there is a need of revival you say well how do you know that brother larry well in verse one it tells us that the word of the lord is scarce the word of the lord is scarce now tonight that word scarce there uh it, the word precious there means uh, means scarce but it really means valuable and what this is what it's trying to say to you and i tonight it's saying uh, that during those days of those times uh, that the word of God was so scarce that if you did get the word of God, it was valuable. That's like anything tonight. If you had like a, a say a 20-carat gold diamond ring, 
And you say, man, there's not many of those. Yeah, but they sure are valuable, right? There's not many of those rings out there, but if you get one, boy, I tell you, you got something valuable. And so that's what that word precious means. It means that the Word of God is scarce out there. It's not very, it's not around much, uh, but at the same time, that makes that Word of God valuable. And so tonight, we have to know uh, one of the reasons why we might need revival is because the Word of God is scarce. I mean, you can't just open up and the, and the Google and t- go into any church and hear the Word of God. You can't, just, you can't just hear the Word of God in any church tonight that you go to on a Sunday or a Wednesday. I would probably say tonight on a Wednesday night, not many churches are even open. And many churches on Sunday night are not open either. But when you go Sunday morning, you don't get much of the Word of God anyhow. And so we find that the Word of God is scarce in our day, uh, yet that makes the Word of God valuable. And so we thank God for that. And the reason why it's valuable is because whenever it's scarce and, and it's valuable because uh, we don't know God's will. See, without God's word, you don't know his will. And if the word of God is scarce, and then the value of that is great because now once we don't know, we don't have God's word, we don't have God's will, we're in trouble. So many, many people around who call themselves Christians, they don't have God's word. Uh, so they don't know God's will, so they just do about what they want to do, and the church is about just kind of getting along and going through and having all that they want. And a lot of times it's money, a lot of times it's activities, a lot of times it's uh, fellowships, a lot of times it's gatherings, a lot of times it's events, and all that equals to them saying that we had church. But the Word of God is what brings forth the will of God, and when the Word of God is scarce, it's valuable. Not only is it valuable, that word precious means valuable, but it means honorable. Because, see, when you don't have God's word and it's scarce, and then you don't know God's promises, it becomes real honorable when you have the word of God and you can hold on to his promises. You can look at the promises. You can hold the promises. You can remember the promises. You can say, God, you promised, amen. But if you don't have the word of God, you can't do that. It's scarce. When it gets scarce, it gets it becomes honorable. And so we find <coughs> to know God's promises. <coughs> no, the word of the Lord is scarce. But I notice, secondly, the vision of the Lord is silent. In verse 1, we see uh, that there was no open vision. In other words, there was no direction. No open vision. There was no direction for the people of God. Uh, they were all doing what was right in their own eyes. Uh, there was no king. It was in the days of Judges, and we find there's no direction. Everybody kind of went in the direction that they felt like was right. They kind of did what they felt like was proper, and so we find there was no open vision. Uh, It wasn't that God wasn't speaking to, to anyone. It wasn't that God was speaking to someone. We find that there was no direction, and because there's no direction, there's no understanding. No one they'd ask, what's God doing? Well, I don't know. Where is God moving? I don't know. Uh, What's next with God? I don't know. So there's no understanding. There's no understanding of how to live for God. There's no understanding on when and how and where to do with God as you ought to do because there's no open vision. God hasn't given a direction. Uh, Would you say that would kind of be a point where we might need a revival here? I mean, there is no, there's no vision, there's no word, uh, there's, there's, there's no clarity. 
of what the next day may bring, what the next year may bring, what's next for us, because there's no open vision. And so we find tonight that the vision of the Lord is silent, the word of the Lord is scarce, but then thirdly, the servant of the Lord is thoughtful. I mean, the guy in which we're trusting in, the guy in which we're looking at, the guy in which God has chosen, we find that in chapter 2, verse 28, and did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest? And now that one man, that man that God has chose for the children of Israel to be a servant in the temple of God, of that man has now become slothful. That's scary. And we, they need revival tonight because not only the, the, the servant is slothful tonight, and the reason why we know he's slothful is because he didn't, res, didn't restrain sin. We found that there in verse 13. Look there. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity that he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. That's slothful. That's why we need revival. We find tonight that the servant of the Lord, the the one who is responsible, the one who's in leadership, the one who's in authority, the one who's supposed to be directly under the Lord, the one who's supposed to be dedicated and determined and sanctified unto God is the one now that's slothful. We find that he does not restrain sin. Number two, he did not honor his son. He did not honor God over his sons. We found that in chapter 2, verse 29. It says, Wherefore, kick you at my sacrifice and at my offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me. That's slothful tonight. And the, and the most disturbing thing is he's the leader, and he's the one who's in charge. He's the one who's given forth uh, the commands of the Lord, and he is taking his sons and putting them on a pedestal, taking his sons and saying that he, they're above God, they're above the Lord, they're above the church, they're above the temple, they're above the sacrifice, they're above all things, because you cannot get no higher than God, and God said, you honor your sons above me. So everything else below God, he honored the sons over. So there was nothing at all that he did not honor his sons over, and so tonight we find a slothful serving the Lord. And number three, he let the lamp of God go out. We see that in verse three. He said, and the lamp of God went out into the temple of the Lord. Who was responsible for that? He was. You know, here in this time, and I preached some of this on Sunday night. That's why I'm moving quickly. But it's uh, kind of a different form. But uh, as we look at this, we find that the lamp has went out in the temple of God. That's a cause for revival. That's a cause tonight for alarm. That's a cause tonight for you and I to say, time out. Time out. We've got to do something. We, we just can't keep on keeping on the way we are. Something's got to change. Something's got to be different than what it is now. And so we find in this, in this lamp being taken out, it was because the disobedience tonight, the reason why that lamp went out, it's because he's slothful, but he's slothful tonight because of the disobedience of the servant. See, when you get disobedient with God, you're slothful. You're sluggard. Tonight, you're lazy. And tonight, that's what happened with him. The Bible says in Leviticus chapter 24, verses 1 through 4, you don't have to turn there. We turned there last on Sunday night, but it spoke this. It said this, cause the lamps to burn continually. It says in verse 3, before the Lord continually, 
and verse 4 it says, before the Lord continually. So what is God saying to uh, Eli? What is God saying uh, to us? What is God saying to his priest tonight? And what is he saying tonight to all of the church tonight? He's saying that the lamp that is within you or in the church tonight in the temple, let it constantly burn. Let it burn daily and let it burn always. We find in chapter 3 and verse 2 uh, tonight, or verse 3, we find the lamp burned out. The only way that lamp could have burned out is if you're disobedient. The only way. Because if you were obedient, you would not allow that to be out. Now, number two tonight, not only the disobedience of the servant, but I want you to notice the darkness in the holy place. So what's the great significance tonight that the light or the lamp of God went out in the temple? Well, there's darkness now. Where is the darkness? The darkness is in the holy place. Now, y'all remember the setup of the temple or the setup of the tabernacle? And so when you, when you walk in, you're going to walk in to the, to the front there, and you're going to have a brazen altar. And as soon as you walk into the holy place, on the left is the candlestick. On the right is the showbread. Right in front is the altar of incense. Right behind the altar of incense is the veil. And the other side of the veil is the Ark of the Covenant. On the other side of the veil is called the Holy of Holies. And the Ark of the Covenant is where the Shekinah glory is at. So in the holy place, which is where the candlestick and the showbread's at and where the altar of incense is, the only light that will bring forth to, for the servants or for the priests to work would be the light of the lamp. But the light of the lamp is out. So what makes, what makes it now? It makes it dark. There's absolutely no light. No light. So, I'm just trying to get you to see tonight the, the disobedience of one, two, or three has now caused the whole worship, the whole work, the whole ministering of God to come to a halt. Because you cannot, you cannot do the priest cannot do what they do inside the holy place because they have no light so the darkness the darkness and we always we all know what darkness represents it represents evil right so now the light that's within the holy place is dispelling the the darkness and now the darkness is in, so evil is in. And deadness is in. Without light, there's no life. Right? The light brings life. And so now in the holy place, we're not talking about in the wilderness. We're not talking about up there in Jerusalem. We're not talking about, uh, friend, any other place tonight. We're talking about in the holy place. An important part of what God is doing with the children of Israel. This is 13 months after they left Egypt. And so now uh, God is telling the priest what they need to do within the holy place. 
And so we find tonight, with this being said, uh, we look in thinking of, of this thought. Now there's doubt. Can you imagine tonight when the children of Israel look over to the temple and the lights are out? And they know that God said, don't let the light go out. Can you imagine tonight as they would knock on the door of, of Eli? Eli, 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 the light is out. And he's sleeping. The overweight taking up much real estate. Just sleeping. His eyes are dim. He's getting older. But we find tonight in a disobedience of not keeping that light up, we find that darkness now. Darkness is inside the holy place. God never intended tonight for inside the holy place to be darkness. God never intended that. Do you think God tonight would be, would be upset? Because see, tonight uh, the light that's within the holy place represents God in God's presence. Amen? Light always represents God's presence. And now at one time in the holy place, God's presence was there. And now his darkness is there. I'll tell you something else about light. Light always represents not only God's presence, but light represents tonight God's Son. God's Son is light. And now in the holy place, it's dark. Dark and light can't comprehend each other, right? It's never going to exist together. We find that the light, that the light also represents God's church. God's church tonight is the candlestick. And so we find tonight the light, for the Bible says you are the light of the world, has now come to the place where it's gone. I'm trying to think tonight, do we need revival? Well, there in Israel, they need revival bad. I mean, it's not looking good at all. I mean, it's, it's very sad and very uh, needful. So now there's a darkness in the holy place and disobedience of the servant. But I want you to notice here, secondly, the candlestick that prevents the darkness to abide. But then the candlestick provides light to serve God. We notice that there is the, is you can't see the showbread. Now the showbread was the food that was offering to the priest as a, as a offering to the Lord. The Lord provided them with these loaves of bread to eat on but you can't go in there now because there's no light so now that showbread is useless the showbread is no no good and it cannot be uh, attained it's dark not the showbread there that or you can't see the showbread but you can't see the lamp of God either you can't see the the candlesticks and so we find that that light has represented to Israel that God is the giver of life. So now they can't see that, and now we find uh, that it becomes very awkward. And then you can't see the altar of incense. In other words, what I'm saying tonight, the priest cannot do his work. God cannot be pleased. You say, well, what happens, brother? Well, this is what happens. You take the, the, you take the, the brazen altar where all the, the burnt offerings are upon it, and this is what happens. They, they, they put on the, on, the burnt off, on the burnt offering there, or the brazen altar, they put that, the burnt offerings, and, and they take a lamb, and they sacrifice a lamb on the outside of the holy place. 
the, the high priest once a year would take that, and he would, as he would go into the Holy of Holies to present that to cover the sins of Israel for one year, we find that when he comes, though, he took the blood of that sacrifice, and he would, he would put it on the ends of this incense, the altar of incense. He put the blood on it. And so while that's being said tonight, uh, that blood, uh, it would purify, it would sanctify uh, that table of, of incense. And then the priest, not the high priest, but the priest would go into the holy place and they would light incense after the blood's upon it. And this incense, this smell would come up and it would go all through the holy place. It would go into the Holy of Holies. It would come out of the temple and go into the women's court, into the Gentiles' court, and that smell would go up. And when God's people who would smell that, they would know that the sacrifice has been offered, that the blood has been applied, and that God, in the way of the sweet smelling, uh, that they could now pray, and that their prayers could be owned up to God because a sacrifice has been made. But guess what now? It's dark. That's not going on. And so we find the furniture within this temple tonight is without use. There's not anything going on tonight that God is pleased with. Can I say tonight there may just be a need for revival. Now let's make application. Today the Christian tonight is the temple of God. Right? We find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. It says this tonight. Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which ye are. And so tonight, every one of us who has the Spirit of God in you, because you have repented of your sin and received Christ as your Lord and Savior, the promise that you received is that the Spirit of God will indwell in you. And once the Spirit of God indwell in you, now you become a holy temple of God. You see, the temple in 1 Samuel of the Old Testament is no longer needed. We don't need a temple. Israel thinks today they need a temple. Jesus came and said, I am the temple. And this, my temple shall be destroyed, but in three days I'll rise it up. Is that what now he said? Jesus is the temple, and then when Jesus became the temple, then we became the temple. There's no need tonight for an earthly temple. None. There's no purpose for it. There's no more sacrifice to be made. Jesus was the final sacrifice. There's absolutely no candle that's needed. Jesus is the lamp. There's no showbread that needs to be given, for he's the bread of life. There's no incense to be given, for he's the one in Jesus' name shall you pray in his name and should go into the heavens, right? And so tonight, knowing that we are the temple of God, and being the temple of God tonight, though, uh, there's a few things that I believe we ought to look at. What's the furniture inside of the temple of God? Well, the first furniture I want you to notice is the lamp of God. Tonight, in your temple, there has been a light lightened. His name is Jesus, the light of the world. And when you receive Jesus as the Lord of your Savior of your life, uh, the light became in the temple of God. Let not your light be put out. Jesus is that light. 
right? You're the temple. There's still a lamp of God in you, and his name is Jesus. There's also another piece of furniture in you as a temple called the bread. And that's Jesus, the bread of life, right? There's another temple in you that's called the, another furniture in you that is called the altar of incense. And tonight has everything to do with our prayer life. Without Jesus, tonight we have no prayer life. Without Jesus, tonight we cannot get to the Father in the way of prayer. Amen. In Jesus' name, we must pray. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man coming to the Father but by me. And that's not only by the way of getting to heaven, but that's the way of praying that God would hear you. Tonight, so what's in us tonight is three pieces of furniture, the altar of incense, the lamp of God, and then the bread or the showbread. And tonight, those three within us tonight is a temple, is a temple with or in Christ. All right? So with that being said tonight, I wonder, do we need revival? I wonder tonight, the features now of the temple, not only there's the furniture of it, but the features of us tonight to the church. To the church tonight, the temple uh, gives honor. And it gives honor to the church. The temple gives honor to each one. When I look at your temple, when I look at your light, when I see Jesus in you, that gives me hope. Right? Whenever you see people that are living for God and the light of God's in them and the bread of God's in them and the prayers of God are in them, I mean, it is something of an encouragement. It is something of a joy. It, it, brings, it brings me to a place that I just want to hug their neck and kiss them on the cheek and say, Hallelujah, glory to God. I see the light of God in you. I see the bread of life in you. I, I see the altar of incense in you. I, boy, I tell you, what a wonderful temple you are. What a holy temple you are unto God. And, boy, that brings some hope to us, right? And so tonight, that's what the temple will do whenever it is in the right spot or in the right place tonight is that brings a hope or it brings tonight a honor. God's life is in Christ. As that life that is in you, that's God's life is in Christ. And because you have Christ, you have life. Not only does God's life in you, but God's love is by Christ. And tonight, because of that, you have Christ and you have God's love. Now you have God's love, but you have God's lamp with Christ tonight. But the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 29, it says, For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. Let me say that again. For thou art my lamp, O Lord. He, what, he, what, the, what he's saying there in 2 Samuel is saying this, Lord, you are my lamp. So tonight, if any of us have a lamp in us, it's because the Lord is in us. That's why tonight we've got to keep our light shining. Don't let your light go out. The Lord is the light. We find in Psalms 119, 105, says, Thy word is a lamp. So not only the Lord tonight's a lamp, but his word is a lamp. He said, And my feet and a light under my path. Amen. And so I would say to you tonight, the closer you draw unto the light of the Lord, the brighter you shine. The closer you get to the word of the Lord, and the greater you walk in his lamp, you'll find the more you'll be like Jesus. 
Amen. It's so it's, it's very vital tonight that this lamp that's within us tonight will shine because He is the Lord and it is His Word tonight. We find thirdly, that's the salvation. In Isaiah 62, 1 says, Thy salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. And so tonight, our salvation is the lamp. This is what's within us tonight. This is what's burning. Salvation is burning. The Word of God is burning. The Lord Jesus is burning. And you and I tonight got to know that do I need revival tonight? Maybe I'm not burning as I ought to. Maybe I'm not shining as I should. Lord, I tell you tonight, I could be much brighter than I really am. Lord, I tell you tonight, I can do more than what I'm doing. And so we could say tonight to the church to honor that each one of us tonight, if we would let our light shine, if we allow our lamp to burn tonight, it would bring an encouragement. It would bring a strength tonight. It would bring some enlightening with all of us tonight. That's what we need. We don't need people to stop coming to church. We need people to start coming to church. We don't need people tonight to get off into sin and go back in their old ways of life. We need people to come and live for God and live for Christ and do right and be faithful tonight and let that light shine. Amen. The Lord, the Word, and tonight's salvation that's within them, that brings unity. That brings strength tonight. It's not them going bad. It's not them going wrong. It's you doing right and living right. And that builds a church. That builds a base. That builds a foundation. And tonight we can come together in Jesus Christ and let our light shine and friend that brings a hole to the church too many times we're off in a path too many times we're off in an attitude too many times we're off in this behavior or this disappointment or this discouragement or this distraught and we're allowing our lives to, to go down and dim and uh, our light don't completely go out but it dims down because of the troubles and trials of this life tonight God help us tonight to be able to stand and say listen I'm not going to allow anything to dim my light I'm not going to allow anything to put anything over my light I'm not going to allow anything anymore to say that my light is getting less. I want to say to you, God, my light is getting greater. Amen. I'm telling you, that will bring in some folks when you're out there in Wally World and you got your light going. When you're down at the gas station and somebody comes by and says, how are you doing? I'm not doing too good today. I'm telling you, you know, that old Russia-Ukraine thing and Biden, I'm telling you, what a pathetic thing that is. And um, what inflation's killing me. And look at this gas right here. It's $3 or something, $4. And, and we heard somebody the other day said that it's been normal, $7 a, a gallon uh, normal for Californians, you know. And, and I, I, It's just a world that's crazy today. Everything's going nuts. Everything's going wild. And see ya. I mean, listen, who would want to talk to you? There ain't no light in that. Man, you're at work and, and you're sitting there and your head is down and you got tears flowing down your eyes and the co-worker says, what's wrong with you? Oh, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't ever feel like I can, and nobody appreciates me and it don't seem like I can ever get over the hill, over the, the mountain there and just one thing after another and I take two steps forward, one step backwards and oh, life is rough and tough. Come on, man. Man, where? Uh, that's not shining no light. And so I say tonight, God, we need revival. We need revival tonight. Can I say secondly, not only 
is this light about honor to the church, but it's, it's a hope to the world. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Remember, now you're the, you're the temple, and in the temple's a light. God said, don't let your light go out. Let it continue, or it could be continually. And so we got to let it shine. we got to let it shine always, constant, and we got to let it shine always. And that's daily tonight. Look at chapter 5 of Matthew. Everybody knows the scripture, but let's read it. Verse 14 says, you are the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under the bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. Now, who's before men? Who's that? That's the world. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Tonight, the world's only hope is your light. The only hope that the world has tonight is the Lord in you, the Word in you. And tonight, the the altar of incense in you tonight. Uh, I could just say tonight to you that we need to be more concentrating about our light. It's not okay to walk around with a dim light. It's hurtful to the lost. The lost will never come to know Christ when they got more light than you. Tonight, you have to shine your light before men. You've got to let the men, let the men of this world know that there's something in me that's bright. I'm just a sorry, no good, low-down piece of trash. But that one in me named Jesus, oh, he's the light of the world. And because he's the light of the world, I become the light of the world. And because I become the light of the world, it's because the Lord Jesus is in me, and the Word of God is in me, the Spirit of God is in me, and I've got a power within me tonight, and the world must the world must see it in order for them to glorify our Father. God, help our church tonight. Help us tonight to see that we have a need. The Bible says in Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, look in verse, verse 79, Luke 1, 79. Just, just want to show you about the world, about the light and the world tonight. Luke chapter 1, verse 79. says, to give light to them that sit in darkness. To give light to them that sit in darkness. Do you know the whole world sits in darkness tonight? And the only way to reach the world tonight is by light. And that's you and me. God, revive us. Revive us, Lord. The world will never come out of darkness if we're in darkness. If our light's turned off tonight... And we're in darkness, just as it was in the day of Samuel. If it's in our day today, the lights are turned out. Then we're in darkness, and they're in darkness. The light is what's going to lighten them that sit in darkness. Luke chapter 2, verse 32. Luke 2, 32. says, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. If the Gentiles will ever be lightened, it's going to take a light. If the Israel's ever going to be glory, it's going to take a light. Whether it's a Jew, whether it's a Gentile, it's going to require a light. And God has chosen that the church of this day is that light bearer. 
and we're the light of the world. And tonight, if there's any hope for the church, if there's any hope for the world, it's going to have to be a group of people just like you and me that decides we need revival. God, lighten my light. Don't let my light go out. Because if I let my light go out, my family would die and go to hell. If I let my light go out, my church will close its doors. If I, light, if I allow my light to go out, my life will be in shambles. I'd be unhappy and miserable. Can't do the work of God. You see, the priest can't do the work of God inside the holy place. And I'll tell you something tonight, if you let your light go out, you cannot do the work where God will have you to do the work tonight, and that's in your holy place. See, tonight the holy place is in you. And you'll never do work out here unless you do work in here. But the light ain't on. You're not going to do no work in here. And all the work out here either be fake or phony or temporary. And so tonight we see uh, as we look at the scriptures, the temple's features, and then we find that Israel needed a revival. The temple was dark. The church needs revival tonight to keep the temple from being dark. I don't believe the church is dark tonight because we have Jesus, the light. But I believe the church can be brighter than what it is. I don't believe we can become completely dark uh, because of the Spirit of God. But I can say tonight we can become dim. And tonight we can have it covered up where they can't hardly see it. It's just a little bitty light. But tonight at revival, we'll find that that light will shine. Here lastly tonight, not only the need... But I want you to notice the seed. The seed. The seed of revival was Samuel. Samuel was that seed. Now I wonder tonight if, if we would say to the Lord, Lord, can I be that seed? I realize I have a need. But can I be that seed? Samuel, uh, as I see in chapter 3 of, of uh, 1 Samuel, Samuel received the call. The first thing you've you got to be tonight, if you're going to be the seed of revival, you're going to have to receive the call. Is God calling you tonight? And if he is calling you, then you will be as he was here in this, in this verse here as we look at it tonight. Look in, look in verse 10. And the Lord came and stood and called as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant hear it tonight when God speaks to us and says you have a need of revival you say yes speak Lord I receive the call may I be that spark may I be that flame may I start something within my home that the light will shine bright may I be the one in my church that will shine the brightest Lord, I want to be that one. Lord, I hear you. You see, because why was God calling Samuel? Because the light was out in the temple. There was a need for God to call Samuel. I wonder tonight if the church as a whole is the lights gone dim. I wonder in all the world tonight, in the darkness, is there even enough light to see the church in the darkness? You know what God's calling? He may be just calling you. He may be calling you and calling your name tonight and say, you know what? You're going to be the seed for this revival. 
You might be the seed tonight for that revival. Will you hear his call? Are you too busy? You have too many other things on your mind. You don't have time right now. Maybe next time. Right now, I've got a lot of problems. I've got a lot of disturbances in my life. I've got a lot of distractions. I've got a lot of things going on. Lord, I hear you say, I hear you do this, but Lord, I'm just not ready for that. I'm just not uh, willing tonight just to say, listen, uh, Lord, speak. Speak, Lord. But tonight I pray somebody, somebody will receive the call. Number two, I notice that not only did he receive the call, but I notice that he believed the Lord. Verses 11 through 18, we find that, I'm not going to read it, for we read it last week, but he, he goes there, Eli finds him and says to him, uh, hey, listen, what did the Lord say? And then, Eli, then Samuel said exactly what the Lord said. Verses 11 through 18. So it tells us that it is the Lord's doing. So if you look in verse, look at verse 18. It says, and Samuel he- told him every wit and had not- hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth good. He said to him, good. And so we find that this is the Lord's doing. And so he, re- he believed the Lord. And tonight, if God would call you and he would ask you tonight, would you be that seed? Would you be that flame? Would you be that one tonight that would be willing to burn and burn for me? Would you believe it? Will you believe it tonight? Would you be able to go to somebody and say, let me tell you what the Lord said to me. I want to know every detail. I know every detail. I'll never forget it. And God begins to burn. See, God began to burn in Samuel. God began to burn in Samuel. And we've seen here tonight as, as Samuel, who the Bible says has, God has not revealed himself to him. We find that in the scripture in verse 7. Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. That doesn't mean Samuel didn't know God. It just meant that there hasn't been a re- revelation to Samuel just, I mean, to Samuel just yet. It, what he's saying tonight is Samuel being six years old, up to 12 years old uh, at this time. And he heard his name and he received it. And then he believed it. Because he would not have told Eli exactly what God had said if he wouldn't have believed it. And then lastly, we notice that he's achieved the revival. Look in verse 19. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. I want you to notice the first thing that uh, concerning this achieving the revival tonight is he grew in the Lord. And tonight, that's exactly what you and I have to do. We have to grow in the Lord. You'll never be brighter not growing. If you haven't grown tonight from last week, then you're not going to be part of that seed. You can't. You're the one who needs to be revived. Tonight, grow. Where there's no growth, there's death. Everything that's alive grows. So Samuel comes alive in a spiritual sense. And he begins to grow in the Lord. And tonight, that's going to be the seed of revival is growing. Growing. It ought to be in our heart's desire, Lord, grow me. Increase me. Enlarge me. Lord, that you may, you may increase and I may decrease. But in doing that, I'm growing. To grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grow in the knowledge of Christ tonight. 
Grow in His Word. Grow in the experiences with God. Growing, walking with God. Grow and grow, grow, grow. And boy, Samuel was the one. Now the light of God was upon Samuel. It was out in the temple, but it wasn't out in Samuel. And Samuel begins to grow. And the Lord, the Bible says that God was with him. Uh-oh. What happens when God is with you? There might be, there might be a little revival going on. And I find that he stayed with the Lord. See, Samuel tonight, he didn't look at Sam, he didn't look at old Eli, as I mentioned the other night, said, Eli, you're a bunch of, you're a slob. Eli, you're so slothful and lazy. Don't you know that God said, don't let the light go out and look at you, you're sleeping. Where's your two sons at? Oh, they're the sons of Bilal. Huh, what a shame. He didn't do any of that. He didn't look at none of that. He ain't, he's not looking at anybody. He is growing in the Lord, and the Lord is with him. He's staying with God. Hey, friend, that's revival. He's staying with God. He's the seed of revival tonight. He says, you know what? It don't matter what's going to go outside. It don't matter what's taking place anywhere. I know the light is out, and I know that Eli is going to die because God told me he's going to die, and I know that his sons are going to die, and I know all these things, and I'm only 6, 8, 10 years old. But you know what? It don't matter to me. I'm just going to grow in the Lord, and I'm just going to stay with God as God stays with me. You know what happens? The Bible says that God appears. So it's there. God appears to him. Isn't that revival? When God appears? And we find here in this verse 21 that God appears. The last time there was any kind of discussion with God was in chapter 1. Uh, whenever Echonai and whenever uh, Hannah went down to the temple and they sacrificed and worshipped right in Shiloh. Up to that point, nothing was said. There was no open vision. There was no word. The word of God was precious in that day and that it was scarce and became valuable and honorable. And all of a sudden, on this day, in verse 21, next thing you know, here comes the appearance of God. Revival. Wow. Samuel, the seed of revival. I mean, listen, friend, he grew with the Lord. The Lord was with him tonight. And we found that he obeyed the Lord uh, there in verse 19 as well. He said he did not let none of his words fall to the ground. That meant every word that God spoke to him, he kept. He didn't let nothing fall to the ground. God said, I'll tell you what I'll do with that guy. I'll just meet with him. I'll just meet with him. And I wonder tonight if God can look at Glory Baptist Church and say on the, on the week of this tent meeting, they'd say, hey, listen, those people at Glory Baptist Church, they're growing in the Lord. They're, they're, they're walking with me and they're with me. And I tell you something else about them. They don't let any of my word just fall to the ground. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to let everybody know that they love me and I'm going to meet with them. I'm going to meet with them and I'm going to appear before them. Not only I'm going to meet, but I'm going to manifest myself with them. And I'm going to do it by my word and by my spirit and by my son. And by the time of that revival meeting gets placed, they're going to be so lighted and so on fire and so ready to serve me that, man, we're going to find something taking place down at Glory Baptist Church. Now, wouldn't that be something? You say, well, it's going to take more people than that. No, it's going to just take us. Just took Samuel. You know what? It was never the same for the children of Israel after Samuel, was it? The greatest prophet ever. Man, he made changes. He's the one who goes tell Saul, Saul, you're done, buddy. You're out of here. 
that he goes around and anoints David the king. I mean, Samuel was the man. Why was Samuel the man? Because he was the seed of revival. There was no appearings. There was no manifestations except when Samuel got there. And God said, I'll meet with them. Tonight, can I say, don't let your light go out. And God, would you meet with us? As we stand to our feet and our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. It's my heart's desire tonight that God would appear to us, manifest himself, that God would burn in us tonight. Oh, God, help tonight. Now, you made a difference in Samuel's life. May you make a difference in our life tonight. Thank you, my Father. I've tried with the help of the Lord tonight to prepare. I'm preparing my heart. I'm telling you what I'm doing. Every service that I'm preaching, I'm preparing my heart for that, that meeting. I don't want to be wrong with God. I don't want to be wrong with man. I want to be right. I want to go in it with my light shining. And God meet with us. That's what I want. Time to get right with everybody. Make things that are wrong right. Get your conscience cleared with man and God. Let's get things in order with our Lord. And man, by that day, that time coming, we'll be ready. God, appear. Manifest yourself to us. Thank you, Lord. If you need to come, you come. Say, God, I just need help. I don't want to be dim. Lord, help me not to let my light go out. Keep me in the way. There's a lot of obstacles tonight in our Christian life. There's a lot of darknesses that we have to face. The world tonight and the flesh and the devil doesn't want your light to shine. But God does. God, you'd make it shine. It'd bring encouragement to the church and bring hope to the lost. No other place will God use. No other people will God use but his church. I'm glad tonight I'm part of his church. I hope he can just use me. Anybody else need to come tonight? Just begin to pray and beg out to God. God, help us. Help our church. Help my family. Help my home. Help my country. Help America. America's gone dark. God, help us tonight. We've gone dark. There used to be a light in America. There's no light no more. Be a light in a lot of churches tonight. A lot of churches that went dark. A lot of folks tonight are living dark lives. We got such a responsibility, but we need God. We need God. Anybody else tonight before we close or we have prayer? Just seeking the Lord. God healed tonight.
Any prayer requests tonight as we as we about to pray? Let's come to the altar tonight and let's pray. Oh.